Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Hi, this is Jeff Alpin, the Big Game Hunter, and you're listening to Job Search Radio, and specifically, episode number 100. Yay! Yay! Okay, I'll stop. It has been a wonderful ride, and I have been enjoying offering information and great advice from experts from around the world. And this show is no exception. My guest on it is the head of talent acquisition and sourcing for PwC Canada, talking about what companies look for when they hire. It is great advice, and he's a fun personality, and we had a great time. So hang in there with us. Enjoy the show, and please, if you liked it, go to iTunes, give it a five stars and a great review. I'd really appreciate it, and it's going to help others discover the show. But in the meantime, listen and sing along. Are you looking for a new job or interested in leveling up? Job Search Radio is your go-to resource for insider tips on job hunting and growing your career. Here's your host, Jeff Altman. So my guest on this show is Samuel Morgenstein. Yay! Talent Acquisition Manager for the Consulting and Deals Practice of PwC Canada. Samuel, welcome to Job Search Radio. Great to have you on. Thanks, Jeff. It's good to be here. Terrific. So what's this? You're a sourcing guy from PwC Canada. What do they need sourcing people for? Yeah, good question. So and maybe we should talk about what PwC does because I think a lot of people have no clue. And when I talk to people and I say, I work for PwC, they're like, oh, yeah, right, the accounting firm, which is actually probably a very small component of what PwC is. And in the two and a half years that I've been with PwC, I haven't looked for one accounting person. So I work with I know it's funny. I work within the consulting and deals practice, and essentially, PwC is in the business of business. They consult on whatever business needs are out there, whether it's mergers and acquisitions, or debt advisory, or restructuring. Any permutation of what it takes to run business, PwC will consult on. So for instance, right now, I'm helping us build out a telecom practice of people who are gonna help telecom companies transition to uh, an online social media focused world. So what I do, I'm not your typical recruiter. <clears throat> I'm brought in when there's a particularly difficult to fill role across Canada and the traditional methods of posting a role and waiting for a candidate to apply does not work. So I'm brought in to figure out a creative solution. I use networking. I, I use social media to find the person that can't be found. Cool. So what you're doing well, that's part of what I do for a living. Uh, it's not like I'm posting ads on job boards or running ads in newspapers. You're out there trying to aggressively find the person through all means possible. 
That is correct. And I utilize networking both internally in the organization and externally as my prime method to find those people. Internally is interesting. So you're basically talking with people on staff saying, hey, you've worked in this space before. Who would you know who? Am I, am I right? It's, it's my um, prime belief that the answers to most hiring puzzles are within the company where that needs that particular skill set. And so, yes, I do a lot of liaising internally just to find out, okay, who did you recently hire? Where did they go to school? Where do they hang out online? What LinkedIn groups do they belong to? And so it's one thing for a hiring manager to say to their team, hey, we need a couple people. Anybody know anything? It's different for me to approach each person individually, book a half hour and say, I know where you went to school. I know where you last worked. Let's talk about who you know. Interesting. And obviously it saves a PwC Canada a lot of money for you to be doing this as opposed to paying someone like me to do it. Yes, exactly. That's why they love me. <laughs> of course they do. Of course they do. So when you're out there looking for someone, what are the qualities that you look for? How do you go about, well, you started to speak about how you go about finding them. And we'll talk about representative searches a little bit later, if that's okay. Sure. So in general, uh, if someone either approaches me or I find someone, there's a couple of general things I'm looking for. One, I'm looking for directly relevant experience. So in general, if a, if a just as an example, if somebody is, uh, if you have a hiring manager at Pepsi, they want someone who works at Coke. That's just sort of an example. And it's the same thing at PwC. Uh, so they're always looking for people who have directly relevant experience. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people every week who say, you know, I'd like to transition into professional services. I've been working in manufacturing, but I think it'd be really cool. And I understand that. However, they're never going to be the number one perfect candidate because it's not directly relevant experience. How does it differ in, in PwC's mind when they come from industry rather than consulting? So excellent, excellent question, Jeff, because this is a topic that comes up all the time. A lot of times I speak to people who on paper have all the technical specifications for that role, yet have never worked in a consulting environment. And the perception within PwC is those people would have a tough time adapting to the consulting world because everything is about being client facing, growing the current business we have with a client and having that consulting persona, which means not being a heads down person focused on your work, but always being focused on the client and what needs they have and how we can expand those needs. It's a different mindset. Um, and though I do meet people who can make that transition in general, it's a longer ramp up time and it takes a, a longer amount of training and a commitment by PwC to get those people ramped up. So it is rare for PwC to say, we're going to make that effort and that commitment to this person to get them ramped up. It's a great it's question. Interesting. One of my clients once said to me, often these people are very good at what their current firm does. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they know how that one firm does things, but they don't have the broader perspective of having experienced it in multiple places. And concurrently, no one wants a job hopper. 
And consulting allows people to change jobs without changing jobs. That is correct. You're always working on multiple projects. It's generally a much more dynamic environment to work in than a corporate environment because you have multiple projects underway all the time, multiple deadlines, and it, it's a lot of time management that comes into play for all types of roles, whether you're on a, a partner level or just coming into the organization. Time management and client-facing skills are key. Super. And I want to come back to, and pick up on that uh, in just a moment, but I first want to offer my job search insider tip for this show, which comes from an article a friend of mine named Alan Hunkins wrote for LinkedIn last week. And I've known Alan for probably 20 years, and I think he nailed something where he was talking about it from the standpoint of public speaking, but I think it's very true for interviewing. Alan spoke about uh, getting past the ugly, and that is in rehearsing for a speech, often you know, people will practice in front of the cat or dog or practice in front of the mirror, and they get just good enough to be bad. And then they go, ah, it's good enough. <laughs> and they push it aside, and they think it's good, and it isn't. In point of fact, the same thing is true with job hunters. Even if you think you've practiced, you haven't practiced enough to the point where it's second nature to you. And the only way that you learn how mediocre you are is by the number of times that you're going to be rejected and then hit yourself in the head because you missed an opportunity because you weren't well rehearsed. So my encouragement to you folks is get past the ugly. <laughs> get past the point where you're just mediocre in your presentation and really strive for excellence because otherwise you're going to learn the hard way how bad you really are. So let's come back to Samuel and pick up where we left off. So you're looking at client-facing skills. How do you evaluate for client-facing skills? What sort of things are you simply looking for to, to measure that at, other than they can speak the language? Right. So, first of all, I'm, I'm looking for uh, the type of personality that uh, – let me, let me back up and say I'm looking for a sense of self-awareness. And this is a person who basically has a, a sense of – their own skill set, their strengths and weaknesses, how they can promote their strengths, and uh, and they are honest to understand these are the strengths I bring to the table. I'm not going to focus on my weaknesses. If I'm going to liaise with a client, I know what I can talk about. I know what I can't talk about. So I know when I'm speaking to a candidate who really doesn't have skills in an area and is trying to convince me that he does. So I can tell that. I'm looking for someone who has the sense to tell me, Samuel, these are my skill sets. This is where I'm strongest. This is where I'm weakest. This is where I think I would be best for PwC. Interesting. You have what I refer to as a well-refined BS detector. <laughs> That's another way of putting it. <laughs> and no one in consulting, you know, you don't want to put someone in front of a client and the client is going to smell BS because that impacts the firm and its reputation. Exactly. So I would prefer when I speak to a candidate that they're completely honest with me and say, Samuel, this is what I have. This is what I don't have. And I can say, great. I can Now, if I'm going to present that candidate to a hiring manager, I can say, this is what he has. This is what he doesn't have. What do you think? Should we move forward with an interview? If everyone is honest, even if you don't have all the skill sets for a role, even if you're not a perfect candidate, if you're honest, a lot of time you will move forward anyway. Because at the end of the day, it may be good enough. That's correct. And, you know, often what I tell people is that there are two dirty words in interviewing. Only, such as I've only done this or I've only done that, and light, which basically says I have no 
you know, I, I have no capability of answering any questions on this subject. Can we talk about something else, please? And I, I always tell people, tell them what you know and what you've done. If yes. it's sufficient, great. If it isn't, that's okay, too. But only light just basically say, let's talk about something else, please. Yes, 100%. 100%. I agree. Cool. Um, so you have, you're starting to interview, and you talked about some of these soft skills that in your line of work aren't so soft. They're actually hard skills for your firm. Uh, and, and people must have them in order to be possible uh, successes at PwC and with the clients. So what's the difference in how you assess an associate versus partner? Uh, maybe we could start at the associate and, and do the gradients up from there. Wow, that's a really good question, Jeff. I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> I, can tell. Um, I, to, I believe you're going to be show number 100. <laughs> so 100 interviews I've done. <laughs> so um, I would say whether someone is just starting out in their career or has been in their career for 20 years, I'm looking for the, uh, their ability to, as I said, um, interface with people and clients. Now, if you're just coming out of school, I'm not expecting you to know everything about a particular sector that you're interviewing for, but I'm expecting you to be able to articulate an answer and be able to uh, come to me with a persona that says, all right, so I'm going to work on this specific component. This is what I know about this specific component. When somebody comes into PwC at a junior level, they're not expected to have the full scope necessary to run a project or, or liaise with a client directly, but I'm expected that they're going to have some industry knowledge. They're going to understand what it means to interface with a client, and they're going to bring that to the table, and they're going to be open to learning. That's a big thing, being open to learning. Because of how, PwC, do you that? how do you evaluate whether someone is open for learning? Well, A, I'm going to see, I'm looking for successful education. Uh, a lot of people come into PwC, have an MBA or a CPA or some type of higher education, and, and also multiple uh, certificates or designations beyond that. So that's one thing. Two, I'm looking for uh, uh, a knowledge of what else they could do to educate themselves. So, for instance, I may talk to someone and say, okay, so we're looking for someone in this particular practice, and uh, what are your thoughts about growth in this practice? What's your growth plan? And if someone says, well, I know that this, this particular designation and this particular designation exists, and that's something I would like to get down the road. So I know there's an awareness of growth and awareness of education. A lot of times I talk to people and I say, so this role requires this designation. You don't have it. We're thinking about getting it. And if they say to me, actually, I've never heard of that designation, then that's a flag to me that this person is not as aware of what's going on in that particular sector. Right. So it's an awareness, not only of what they've done, but what they are capable of doing and what they know about the sector they're interviewing for. So um, at a junior level, that's what I look for. As, it, as we rise up through the through the chain, I'm looking for more and more direct, relevant experience. But again, I'm always looking for direct learning and the ability to learn. When I get to the partner level, and I'm, right now I'm interviewing for that type of role within our telecom consulting practice, I'm looking for subject matter experts. And if I go on the Internet and I search for that person, I see that they have papers posted on LinkedIn. They maybe have a social media blog about that particular topic. I'm looking for people who are innovators, who are market disruptors, who are thinking about 
the market they're in all the time and their their subject matter expertise is relevant and obvious. And it's funny you mentioned um, the blogs. Uh, I had a friend who was uh, with one of the banks for many years and was eventually hired as a partner at the old Coopers. And the way I promoted him, the way I encouraged him to do the career development, since he was an industry guy, but well-regarded in industry, I suggested he go on the public speaking tour and speak at conferences and promote himself and do the writing. And this is the pre-blog days. And I just simply said, get yourself known so when the search firms are out there looking, they're going to find you as their answer. And that became his entree into Cooper's and it's quite a successful practice for many years. And I'll tell you, Jeff, it's a great point because when I search for people who are going to be subject matter experts for me to headhunt, I look at conferences and find out who the the leaders were and who the guest speakers were, and I go and target them because there are I know are the people who are subject matter experts in their particular uh, area. Super. So you're doing your interview with uh, someone for a partner role, and we've spoken about some of the criteria for the junior positions. <coughs> Excuse me. How do you evaluate the seniors? Uh, and again, subject matter expertise. So they're basically arriving with, in effect, you know their professional portfolio. That's already handled. So how are you going to, what's going to cause you to reject these people since they're already arriving with huge credentials? Sure. So, um, in general, first of all, an organization like PwC, if I'm working with someone at the senior level, I'm going to find out first who internally knows this person, who knows of this person, right? I'm going to vet that person internally. Uh, Always, 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 especially in a large company like PwC, I'm going to ask other partners, has anyone heard of this guy? Who might know this person? Who last worked at their company? And so we do some internal intelligence, Always. So what you've done in the past, even if you're trying to hide from it, it will come back. So that's a prime way we do, a prime method I use to evaluate people. Secondly, I I try to evaluate what a person's short and long-term career goals are. Because in general, when someone's coming in at a partner level, a very senior level, we're looking for a long-term commitment. This person is going to be leading a practice. They are going to be growing that particular business. And so we're looking for long-term commitment. So a lot of times, for instance, I may have someone who's been a self-employed consultant for 20 years, and now they've decided, you know, I'm going to slow down a bit. I'll take a permanent opportunity so I don't have to go out and find my own clients. You know, PwC sounds good. That's not going to fly. Slow down at PwC, sure. Not going to fly. So I'm looking for someone who understands. They're looking for a long-term commitment. They've got a passion and drive to grow business, both internally and externally. And I'm also going to vet them through my own network. So let me use that example of the independent consultant who comes to PwC. But the goal isn't to slow down. The goal is to step up because they understand the engagements that they work on are good, but they'll have access to bigger, more substantial engagements through a PwC because obviously PwC has enormous entree to to opportunities throughout the world. How do you vet those people? Obviously, with the internal references like you met before, does anyone know him from a previous engagement? Or how was she on that previous engagement that you worked on? What else do you do do to measure those people to see if by some miracle chance they are right for the organization? Right. 
time. So another way I measure that type of person is, is their ability to work with multiple teams and complex teams. Because generally, if a person has been an independent consultant for many years, they might have been, you know, that lone cowboy coming in, saving the day, and leaving. But at Peter, <clears throat> no right, good, no good. It doesn't necessarily work that way. In fact, PwC is a very complex matrix environment. You're going to be lazy with many different teams on projects that could last for a very long time. So I'm going to try to dive down, A, to determine if they've ever worked in that type of team group environment, and B, I'm going to find out if I can find anyone who knows them from when they worked in that environment. Because a lot of times I find at a senior level, it's it's a major adjustment for them to come in and say, okay, this is your this is your client, but you're going to be lazing with this other 15 people to succeed and we need to work together. So I need to determine if A, if they're open to that, B, do they have any experience with that, and C, can anyone verify that experience? Do you, you wouldn't hire them probably at a partner level. You might hire them at a step or two down. And thus, compensation often comes into question because they may be used to the independent consulting rate of $150, $200 an hour. PwC isn't going to pay them $300,000 to $400,000 a year. They're going to price out in your organization $150, $175 on a base. And I'm thinking U.S. dollars. I don't know what, what the currency might translate in, in your wage structure. Am I right about this or am I mis- yeah. You're 100% correct. So compensation is definitely a, a, a factor, and it's a it's an issue I talk about in my very first conversation with candidates. I don't wait. I don't like to waste anyone's time, and I say that to candidates. I say, let's talk about this right now to make sure I don't take you down a road you don't want to go down. So we talk about compensation. In general, the person who is a successful candidate is the one who says, I understand that PwC pays less. I'm coming into this environment, A, for the cachet of that name on my resume, and B, because I'm going to have access to the size and scope of projects I couldn't have accessed to before. So they come in and they understand they're working with a very high level of, of colleague and they're working on very complex projects. If I see that attitude and the openness to that, then I understand we can have a conversation. But if the first and prime topic of our conversation is compensation, then I know that candidate is not going to fly. Right. Because right. right. money is not going to be the reason that they ultimately join. Right. It can't be. They're used to making much more. That's correct. And ultimately, that comes back to my issue of self-awareness. The the self-aware candidate will already have done his research on what the compensation levels are at PwC, and he'll understand what he's getting involved with. Makes perfect sense. Hey, Samuel, i got to ask you one final question. What haven't I asked you about that that my my audience really needs to hear that I haven't, again, that I haven't asked you about up until this point? What more, what last points... Would you like to share? Um, I guess I would like to share. I want to talk about the concept of honesty because uh, I think this is huge. And even if you're if you're starting out in your career or at your top levels of your career, honesty is what I look for. And if you have an honest, open uh, conversation with that recruiter at the first level, you'll find that you're going to save a lot of pain down the road. So for instance, I mentioned that I talk about compensation, usually in my first meeting with people, because it can clarify where someone's at with their head, where they want to go, and whether we should, we're going to have a short-term relationship or a long-term relationship. I'm always open to long-term relationships. I just, we just need to figure out when the right opportunity comes up. So honesty would be the number one thing I would say to people. Be honest about where you're at and what you're looking for. 
Thank you. And, and on this compensation question, I have to ask the follow-up here. A lot of candidates get the advice, don't talk money. Don't tell them how much you're making. Don't say anything about your money because you may be undervaluing yourself. How do you respond to that? So there's a way to be honest and also leave some flexibility. So, and I always say to people, I say, look, I'm not setting this in stone. I just want to make sure you and I are on the right path. Give me a range. Or just tell me what you earned at your last role. Or tell me what you earned at the role before that. I'll get a sense of where you're at. But I'll tell you, I I found it very interesting because I've been doing this for a number of years. The people at the very top of the chain, they never have an issue with compensation. They say, Samuel, I was earning this is pay, this is my bonus, this is a car, this is my vacation. They tell me everything right up the top. It's always people who are beginning or mid-management who feel that they, they can't tell me exactly what's going on. But in fact, if you do tell me exactly what's going on, I can go to bat for you to get you the best package possible. Thank you. Hey, Samuel, thanks for making time today. How can people reach out to you, find out more about what you do, find out more about PwC Canada? So first of all, I'm happy to talk to anyone and everyone because, like I said, I'm always interested in long-term relationships. So you never know what's going to happen now or in the future. Uh, a, you can go onto my LinkedIn profile. You'll see my email address on my LinkedIn profile. I'm also on Twitter. That's my constant project to try to build my Twitter profile. My Twitter uh, address is I recruit tweet. I the letter I the word recruit t- recruit and then tweet. Um, and I'm happy to connect with people on Twitter as well. But LinkedIn easiest way possible. That's right. That beautiful picture of you is there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And my dog. (laughs) And folks, we'll be back next time uh, with another expert to help you with finding work more quickly. I'm Jeff Alpin, the Big Game Hunter. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did and you're listening uh, on your iPhone through iTunes, give the show five stars. Give it a great review. It helps with the rankings. It helps other people discover the show. And if we're not connected on LinkedIn, send me a connection request as well. My page is linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. I'm Jeff Alban. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Hope you have a great day. Take care. For more job search advice, visit Jeff's website at TheBigGameHunter.us. That's TheBigGameHunter.us. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys? Let's go! I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba.